Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on for the first time this year with JB. And today I'm joined by Pistol to discuss the mid-prices coming into the season 2023. So always a much-requested podcast and a much-listened-to podcast. Pistol, how do you feel moving up to the big leagues on the mid-price podcast? <laughs> I'm excited because... It's usually the most interesting uh, podcast, but it's a big call this early in the, the preseason, but there's just a large variety of players and often not many of them succeed, although take a look at last year where nearly all of them succeeded. Um, and because of that, you know, if we talk about 20 players and only you know, four of them hit, it becomes a really important podcast. You know, it's, it's uh, important to do the, the research into these picks and you know, only pick them if you feel really good about them because more often than not most of these mid prices are not going to be good selections which makes uh yeah a fun makes for a good podcast i think yeah so essentially uh we've got 19 names here uh written down a bunch from each line admittedly only one from the rock line and a few from the mids um it's mostly back and forward that the mid prices reside but this isn't players that we are immediately endorsing to get in your team um a lot of them are just to put on your watch list for the preseason um, we still need a lot of information before we start endorsing players, but some players might have more endorsement than others. So it's going to be just a wide discussion um, about all these guys and, and for their various reasons. So um, essentially, all these guys are, have been on my watch list for one reason or another this preseason. So um, and I think a lot of them are highly owned pistols. So it's going to be interesting to hear your two cents about them. Um, before we get into that, I do have some new Patreon signups to, to quickly flip Woo-hoo! through. So um, thank you to all our new Patreons. We've got Kenneth McGill, 
Rob C, Adrian Cavasini, Mark Ro- Rosthorn, Rosthorn. Oh, that might be the, the first uh, incorrect <laughs> pronunciation of the year. Paul Leach, uh, James Brewerly, Max Hudson, Horton. Damn, that's wow, another tough one. You are struggling. Hudson. All right, h- help me out with this. H U D G H T O N. I zoned out. Like, no chance of me recording. It feels like the G H should be before the D. <laughs> like, and be H- H- Hudson. Nah, that, that's a tough one. Sorry, Max. Maybe he uh, spelled his Jeremy, own name wrong. He might have, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm calling typo on that one. Uh, Jeremy, welcome aboard. Mitch James, Brett Mollison, uh, Don Kotigas, Kyle Bullen, Braddo, Rachel Davey, Thomas Ancatel, Zach Leonard, Lumpy One, Supercoach with Doctor, who's a, a, a friend of ours on Twitter. Very good. Go follow his Twitter. Benjamin Ayres and James McCarroll. 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 <laughs> you wow! I it's been probably at least three years since you've butchered that many names in the same like podcast. So, congrats to I'd everybody like, for stumping JB first up. I would love to take blame, but I, I put blame squarely on the people with interesting spelled names. So, <laughs> uh, thanks, James McCarroll is going to be my last uh, go at that one. <laughs> I'm going to lock that one in. Um, let me know if I get one wrong. I probably didn't, at least with the three attempts I took on all the tough ones. Um, and thank you all for joining. I, I look forward to seeing you guys all in Slack. I, I have noticed all of them pop in at some point or another, besides maybe one or two, and with a profile picture. So things you love to see, Pistol. It's it's a surefire way to not get bullied if you come in with the, the profile picture. Mm, well, think, talking about things I love to see, let's talk, look at uh, some of these backline mid-prices. Sure. I, if you just want to segue straight in, I, I was I was keen to float a little bit more, but oh, yeah. um, we're, we're going to start with we're going to start with a guy whose name I'd never struggled to pronounce, Christian Salem. <laughs> oh, why are you laughing? Look, uh, I think so. We're limiting this to sub four hundred k and greater yes. than one hundred and ninety k. I think that's. Uh, I changed the rules for one player, and that's Gota, who we'll talk about later. But essentially, it's between two and four hundred k. Okay. Noted. Thank you for the explanation. So first up, we've got uh, Salem. Now, there was news today that he had a thyroid issue. He had that at the beginning of his mm-hmm. career. I think they said he lost six kilos uh, in the off-season. Um, do you think that this rules him out as a starting selection, given we don't know the, the severity of the injury? To be honest, I'm fairly strict on um, ruling out players with interrupted preseasons, especially interrupted with something of this magnitude. I can probably make a, a the occasional pass for someone who's just you know running laps instead of in the main squad for a, a couple of weeks. But essentially, an issue like this does make it extremely difficult to um, select Salem. But we don't actually know the um, the impact that the injury is having on him. He he might be training again in a week or so. Um, he might still get a full preseason with all the practice matches uh, and, and match sims as well. So if that's the case, I can still understand people wanting to select Salem with good form. Um, the question is, I guess, even if he is fully fit, uh, is the reasoning behind Salem as good as what people think? I, I know he's averaged 90 twice in the past um, and 87 once, but that's pretty good. he hasn't played a full season ever. Um, he's coming off a 70 average. He does not take kick-ins for his team. That's Stephen May. 
um, and, and doesn't look to be taking over them anytime soon. I know he's a handy little player, but it, it just seems like you're banking on a, a flat 90 average for 390K and it's not even a guarantee. I don't think it's too bad getting 90 average at that price. It doesn't make you the full, you know, cash cow worthy, you know, 150K. Um, you don't you don't quite get there, um, but it definitely buys you time to make your upgrades a bit later in the season. However, interrupted preseason, um, I guess, question marks on scoring abilities as well as already, you know, the injury proneness that you brought up. It just, it makes it a really tough selection i think uh that there's you know you got to play these risk rewards with these sorts of mid prices and i just don't know if the reward is there i'd like to see him you know take a monopoly of kick-ins and that would massively change my thoughts around the selection but without that you end up with a pick that's you know neither here nor there and that feels dangerous to just have in your side at the beginning of the year where you know every pick matters and counts I yeah I had Salem early days, um, but with the amount of defenders that have emerged in the defensive line and um, and a couple in the midfield as well that I'm really interested in and a couple forward that I'm interested in, um, he just doesn't seem as essential as he would in a year without um, a lot of options. Now that there are so many options, I just think he he falls into the category of um, if he was 50k cheaper kind of thing so um i just think he's just a little bit overpriced to what um what output we do want from from salem or what we expect to get from salem uh and now with the thyroid issue popping up it, it just it's a bridge too far for me uh to to sort of leave him in my team or put him back in my team so i'd be surprised if i had i started the season but that doesn't change the fact that he's still a close preseason watch uh and with really good form anyone could sway me back into the squad so um, and if he shows a hint of being a premium defender at 390k um, all of a sudden the option is alive again so um, the other thing with Salem is and you look at the 390k if he did potentially go towards a 95 average in your estimation based on preseason form um, a player does generally drop especially in defense down to about the 400 450k mark um, we do tend to get a cheap defender each year I don't think he's as essential even still with those scenarios um, yeah um, I, I totally agree with you but let's say he is out you know worst case long term um, does that bring another mid-pricer into the fold at Bowie at 380k Jake Bowie $380,500 um, dollars so we're talking <laughs> It is. It is. Dollars, it is. Right? Yep. Yep. No, but it certainly is. <laughs> I don't know why you laughed at me then. Um, okay, so we're talking about someone who came. He had four games on debut in 2021. Averaged uh, about 70 last year um, from his 17 matches. I do not understand the the want for such a risky selection. Um, obviously, he's shown a, a really high ceiling. He scored 151, as a lot of people would know, last season. A lot of people traded that into their side, um, which was followed by an 89-47-86-106. So that is good form. Yeah. Um, but then he just showed 
that he can score 50 for about eight weeks straight. He had 63, 49, 77, 41, 61, 55, 64, 38, etc. cetera. So um, he, he shows that he has a really low floor, like incredibly low, um, and, and he could just be the guy that um, locks down a little bit harder or the guy who just is the next link in the chain not used um, quite often. So... Um, no, I don't expect Bowie to go anywhere near 90. I'd be surprised if he averaged 80 this year. So for 380K, um, absolutely not on my radar. Without Salem in the side last season, he only averaged 74.7. So you know, granted, with Salem, he only averaged 59. So big difference without Salem, but it's still like not good. And that's not really going to do it for us when we're looking for a mid-pricer. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I w- I'd definitely look elsewhere. Yeah, and Jake Bowie, I think we can we can immediately rule a line through him. Uh, the next guy that I have here on the list, if you're happy to move on, Please. is Will Day for Hawthorne. So um, someone that we've heard about getting potential midfield time. Uh, he was uh, said to be getting wing time last year. Maybe wing slash CBA time this year is the is the talk of the town. Three hundred and sixty two k. Will Day is always such a popular pick in the preseason. I think people love to love Will Day, <laughs> um, and and I genuinely I, I think he's a great kid. I love to watch Will Day, especially when he's up and about. Is he a good super coach selection? Have we seen anything from Will Day to suggest that we should be looking to get him in our squads? That is the million-dollar question. We hear midfield time and straight away our ears start, you know, ringing, I guess, and, oh, you know, it sounds... Perking up, perking I guess. Up. Thank you, that was where I was going. Uh, <laughs> it, it's you. Feel, it makes you feel really good until you think about it a little bit more. And I'm looking at Will Day's physique, um, you know, from my, my private collection here, and he's just got the build of more of an outside player than an inside player. And, you know, he can still be a midfielder but be more of an outside midfielder. And they're not good for super coach. And they're going to be having, you know, Hawks are the weakest midfield, I think that's fair to say, in the competition. I don't know yeah. if they're going to be a high possession team. I'd be surprised if they were. So you're going to get a guy that's on the outside of a low possession football team. It doesn't sound good. On paper, I, I need to see him be an inside mid for me to have any sort of interest. To make 150k, he's got to average it above 90, and I I can't see that happening from a wing. Like definitely not. And I'd be surprised if he got enough, you know, pure inside midfield time to be able to average that. When you've got you know Newcomb, and I think they have to throw Warple in. You got still Ward and you know Amon. They've just recruited from Port as well. There's just people that I think are further ahead than day and we'll get a, too much of the, the CBA pie and that just leaves Will Day out, you know, still playing in the midfield but just not in the first rotation and that doesn't scream pick me to me. No, I appreciate Will Day's pedigree and I think even if it's like an 80-20 split of defensive time and CBA time, I think there's the potential that he pushes his average up to 85 even, um, maybe even like a really, really like borderline 90 score um, with a good season. But I still think we're about two years away from picking Will Day in our super coach sides. Um, you, you speak about his frame. You speak about the fact that like he, he just hasn't played in the midfield. How many times do we talk about someone getting midfield time and they're just not immediately good in there. And Will Day doesn't strike me as someone like Nick Dacos when he goes into the midfield. I expect to be pretty good, 
upon entry. Um, but Wilde doesn't seem to have that type of pedigree, that midfield pedigree to me. I think he reads the ball really well off halfback and, and could be an exceptional wingman already at this young age. But an exceptional CBA midfielder immediately, which, which would justify having him in our sides for the season, I don't think he's going to come and do that in year one. Um, and Hawthorne, they're going to have a lot of growing pain. I think they're going to be geared towards the bottom of the ladder. I think they have a very good coach, which is benefiting them, and a lot of good um, leadership players like Sicily. But I don't see it here. So <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like there's one. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, it's I got a bunch of great players, Sicily. <laughs> they, they, they still have Gunston. And, and they don't have Gunston. It's at uh, Brisbane. They still have Bruce. They do have Bruce. He's good. But it's it's okay. there's slim pickings. Do they have Isaac? No, they don't have not but, but, not Isaac Smith. The other guy, Shields. Did he retire and go somewhere? Liam Shields. Else? Yeah, he went to North Melbourne. So there's there's that's right, there's that's not right. much there. They're bereft <laughs> bereft of uh, of leadership yeah, quality. Yeah. Um, but no, no, I, I just I just don't think it's going to be this year that he pieces it all together. Yeah. But still watching him in the preseason, um, hasn't entered my side yet. I don't think he will. Um, someone along the same ilk as having not entered my side, and I'll be surprised if they do, Ben Long has moved uh, to the Gold Coast. So um, is being trained up at halfback from uh, their early match sim reports. What do you think of Ben Long? Can he kick a football 20 metres in a drop punt fashion? <laughs> Look, it's a good move for, I think, his career. Moving there, well, they've just, I think it's, um, well is still out um, for the first, I think it's six weeks of the season. So there's opportunity for him to get games right off the bat for the first couple of rounds. Um, so he'll get a chance, which is exciting. And we saw that he had one really good game in the final game of the season playing of halfback he last year he had 27 disposals 17 marks and 142 super coach points the only issue is he was really bad in all of the other games he played for the entire season so Can I just remind you that's nine less super coach than what Jake Bowie got in round yeah. uh, two last year yeah look um he put up scores non-sub scores of 22 20 30 um, he did have a sub score of 24. <laughs> They're just, he, he's prone to a, a stinker or two. However, that being said, if he is in round one and he's, you know, pumps out a good score, I, I definitely feel like I couldn't rule him out entirely as an option um, if, if the role is right and I guess the scoring looks like he's going to make fast cash, especially because he's got that dual uh, positional forward uh, defensive status. He's just probably not someone I'm at this stage looking to start, but I'll, he's someone that's on my watch list. All right. Well, if you can't rule him out, I will. Uh, <laughs> ben Long, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I just, even if he gets the role, I, I don't have the belief. If you, again, a case of if he was 50K cheaper, then yeah. I, I would I would have the discussion. 353K just requires yeah, too much out of a player um, to, to be able to pay off in your team. So, and I don't think he's going to be a premium keeper. I don't think he's going to be a 150K maker. Um, so he just sort of, sort of awkwardly fills in behind. And I think he's going to have good games this year. Um, I hope he resurrects his career at the Gold Coast, but not not in my Supercoach team. Um, I'm going to move on to the guy who I think is probably going to warrant the most... I think people either hate this pick or, or they love this pick. Elliot Yo. 
Um, and and half the people that have the pick in their team probably hate the pick as well. <laughs> um, but they, they just have him because he's being spoken about so widely. Um, so can we just refer to um, Footy Rhino and, and his tweets that he's put out this preseason so far? Elliot Yo looking exceptional, tick. Playing midfield time from the get-go is a huge tick. I think if they were resting him at halfback already in the preseason, I'd be a bit worried. Um, but they've thrown him into the midfield and, he, and he's explosive in there, which is a massive tick. Um, also, you know, playing a little bit of halfback rebounding role or floating role, just to rest. Um, I think he's ticked every single box so far. How many injuries or niggles is Elliot Yo away in this preseason from not being in your team? Or is he a case of if he's lining up round one, you're starting him? Oh, that's a good question. I think if he's named... Thank you. I'm paid to ask the good questions, <laughs> just so you know. I think if he's named round one, I'm taking him. I I don't... For me, I don't think it matters if he were to cop a niggle in the preseason purely because I'm expecting him to get injured in like round two or three anyway, just because he's so injury prone. So... It doesn't really change much. If he's named him round one, I'm going to take him regardless and then I'm, going to, I'm going to deal with his injury You know, when it happens, um, whenever that does happen. And that's kind of how I'm going to play with it. I just think that he's too good of a player, especially if he's getting midfield time. But I, I think it's hard for people to remember because it was so long ago. Like, Yo was one of my favorite players to watch in the entire AFL as a midfielder. Like he was incredible. And now we can pick him as a defender at 337K, not just getting to watch him every week, which is a highlight, but he genuinely can go with, you know, 110 plus as a midfielder. Cause he's got, he can, he's a great contested mark. Um, and he's got all the attributes. He can be that explosive midfielder. I don't know if he's going to have retained that after his injuries, but you know, prime, prime yo could go 110 easily, even 115 plus. I just, I'm hoping in this role, we see him go at least 90 plus, And I think he's got, you know, 95 upside at least. So coupled with a, an easy early draw, you know, North, North round one and it's West Coast. So they have an easier draw than, than most teams. Um, the upside is there for me to select. So I feel pretty confident that I'll be picking him if he's fit round one. So just to remind people who either might not have been around or didn't have Yo um, for the seasons that he was dominant, 2017 he averaged 102, which was his breakout season playing across halfback. 2018 he averaged 107 in a similar role. And then 2019 we saw that role develop into a midfield role as well in which he averaged 107 again. Um, that was building into what was going to be an uber premium career from Elliot Yo um, before injuries hurt his 2020, 2021, and 2022 seasons. So um, the 2020 year was the COVID year in which he missed five games, but then he missed half a season in 2021 and only managed five games last year uh, for an average of 68. So um, I think it's fair to say that we didn't see Elliot Yo last year, even in the five games that he played. He was um, subbed in and out or... Um, played super low time on ground. So um, even in the, the two injury years prior to that, it was an average of 89 in 10 games and 86 in 12 games. So um, I'm willing to put a lot on the line to say that the Elliot Yo that we get this year uh, is going to be much closer to the 107 than it is to the, the 68 or even the 86. Um, I've got a lot of faith in Elliot Yo bouncing back this year, a lot of faith. Um, and like you said, it would be surprising if he got through injury-free 
Um, but he wasn't exactly injury prone before 2020. Um, so he, play, he had played 21, 22, 21, 19, 21 games before that. So only a few missed games in there. It's as simple as um, if he gets injured, you trade him out. Like it is. It. it is as simple as that. And in in the meantime, I think he'll make he'll have no issue making the money. Um, and, and proving to be a good on-field scorer. I think you miss out if you don't select Yo this year. So um, super hot on Yo. I think we both are there. Yep. Um, still a preseason watch, but super hot. Um, okay, let's go back to the more controversial topics. I think we got a bit too comfortable there. Um, Hunter Clark is the next man on my list playing for St. Kilda. Um, now, St. Kilda I find really difficult to judge because obviously they got the, the new coach and the new coach is Ross Lyon. So um, typically more difficult to judge than anyone else that we've had in the past is Ross Lyon. Um, but at 315K, Hunter Clark has always showed pedigree, if not for his uh, impact injuries letting him down year after year. I have gone from not liking the Hunter Clark pick to the last week starting to explore the Hunter Clark pick. Um, there's wow. been there's been talk of him being thrown into that midfield mix at St Kilda, but I will put an asterisk next to it and say that we've already heard that they're going to emulate the Pies style of midfield, which is essentially heavy rotations of players coming in and out of that midfield. So there'll be a larger, a wider range of players that are going to get midfield time. They're just all going to get uh, less midfield time um, than a typical midfielder would. So people like Winhager as well, uh, you know, he's 266K up forward. I don't know if we'll, we'll touch on him later, but same sort of thing, right? He's going to get some midfield time. Hunter Clark's going to get midfield time. And it's just about what they can do when they're in the midfield and then their alternative position, which Hunter Clark, I guess, is his alternative is probably going to be in the back line. Um, and I originally thought, I'm not sure he can average the 85 that he needs to to be able to make 150K. But coming from one, he's been a very high draft pick, and two, finally getting the midfield time that he's never really gotten that chance, I guess, to have. Um, I feel like he can do it. He's he's had some, you know, he, he can score. Maybe not like super high. He's put out a 124 in the past. He's had, you know, he had his, his in his best season. He only averaged 78, but, oh, actually just over 80. And he had one, two, three, four, five, six over 100 games. Like that, as a defender, I think there is some upside. I, I, don't, I don't love the pick, but I certainly don't hate it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk anyone who wants to pick him out of picking him. I, I think it's a, a fair gamble to take if you're interested in, in picking him. Yeah, uh, Hunter Clark is one that I really struggle to um, to get off the fence for. So um, average 78 in 2020, 73 in 2021, and 57 last year with some injuries. Um, I think his true form is 80+, plus, but I don't think we've seen it yet. Um, at 315k, you definitely need better than what he's put out before. So you'd need a career best season from Hunter. Um, I think he's capable of it, but I just don't know. So I'm going to be watching him with interest in the preseason. I think right now, if I had to mark it down, I'd say he's unlikely to be in my side, but I'm not going to for a second rule him out um, based on preseason form. So um, just one to watch with a bit of interest if if you do if you are inclined to potentially go down that price point. Um, I, I'm strongly guy, still considering him. So like probably more than you are, JB. I, I think yeah, definitely I, I've, put him, I I've put him in my side at the time. He's now out of my side, but he has been in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, for what it's worth, he would be my next look um, if Yo were to potentially miss round one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's straightforward. Okay, so the next guy on the list, Jack Bowes. I think we're going to come back to agreements on this one. Um, so was scouted from Gold Coast to Geelong years prior to his actual trade from Gold Coast to Geelong. I think people see this as um, Geelong getting the, the first round pick in and just sort of absorbing his salary now that Selwood's out of the club, um, being one of the only teams to do it or one of the only teams willing to do it apparently. Um, I see this as a a multi-year long scout that they have finally been able to pull off in getting Jack Bowes out of the Gold Coast. Um, I'd like to remind people just how good Jack Bowes was for Gold Coast. I remember a lot of people looking to start Jack Bowes in their supercoach sides, especially if there was promised midfield time. I think there is the potential of midfield time here at Geelong. Um, but regardless, he averaged in the 80s twice um, for the Gold Coast, just off of halfback. So, he started hot um, that season as well, didn't he? Yeah, very, very hot. Um, so I think it's it's unfair to dismiss him as just a player who Geelong sort of you know got in a, in a deal where they got better assets. I think... Jack Bowes was the asset, and I think they're going to use him this year. So um, all it takes is is the knowledge that he's best 22 in the preseason, and he's locked into my side for 277K. Yeah, I I am in agreement with you, but I, I will throw one, I guess, caution out there that's probably not discussed as much, and that's he could be at some stage the 23rd best player for that Geelong side. I don't think he's like nailed into that best 22 I feel like he is somewhere between 21 and 23 and if that's the case and they do you know Geelong are going to make them their tactical subs every single week because they're the team that uses the sub the most and they're already using tactical subs last year Um, and if they're a team that's going to be subbing players in and out willy-nilly then Jack Bowes I think is a candidate just because he is one of those fringe players for Geelong and if you cop a sub game it kills your cash generation so there is that I risk disagree. element there i disagree i think there are plenty of players below him in the pecking order especially with the the experience that he has you did reference the hot start that he had in yeah. uh, 2021 i will go to it um 146 against west coast 114 against north melbourne 95 against adelaide 107 against carlton then 73 against the bulldogs 92 against Sydney, 110 against Collingwood, 93 against St Kilda. He started the season in ridiculous form. Uh, if I can just quickly look for that, that average to start with, um, it was it was very good. So um, he has the pedigree to do well in a halfback role. If he gets a halfback role sprinkled in with a little bit of midfield role, now that we, now that Selwood's obviously out of the club. Um, I, I don't think he'll be in their bottom five players. I think he'll be in their best 15 oh, pretty comfortably. Fair enough. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, we will. Uh, and, and coming to a premiership side, that's it's only in an enticement for Bose, not obviously talking down the, the reigning premiers there. So um, Caulfield is the next one on the list here. So he's 208,000 dollar dues and playing for obviously a new 
league coach team, as we referenced earlier. I think it's as simple as if Nick Coffield is best 22, he's another one that I would just find extremely difficult to pass up on for that price. Um, he has shown good scoring potential in the past at a halfback role, um, even as the more defensive um, halfbackman. I like the pick because the price is kind at 208k. I, I think he's still in that race for round one, and you've got to worry about those players that are in the race for round one, and if they're just going to be subbed out as well just to you know help them in their recovery. But I do like that he plays for St Kilda because they have these, these forward dramas, and I think they'll be probably utilising some forwards that might not be AFL-ready, uh, potentially, depending on you know, who they use because they keep getting lots of injuries there and those players might be a sub-candidate over somebody like Caulfield. So that is good news. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see if his name round one. I don't think it matters if you, if Clark is also in the side. I, I think you can double up on Caulfield and Clark. I, I think you should look at them independently if that was something people were worried about. Yeah, absolutely, independently. Um, they're going to play different, slightly different roles as well. Yeah. Caulfield, um, he is a bit of a rebounding halfback, but can be super defensive at times. And I think that really suits Ross Lyon, um, knowing that the the halfbackman is still going to be true to their role um, and, and defend their forward, but also has the ability to hit targets by foot um, coming out of defense. So um, in his best year, he averaged... Now, the, the fan footy average is incorrect because it's got a zero in here. Um, I'm not sure on his exact average. It was more than 72. I assume it was about 78. Um, you might be looking that up on the Supercoach website. That'll be good by you. No, um, it wasn't. But he did have, <laughs> yeah, well, there's an opportunity there. Um, he did have a score of 128. He had 105 as well, um, and then a few scores in the 90s. He did show a low floor, but being in this role um, at this price point, I think being a bit of a roller coaster is okay um, as long as he keeps the ceiling. And if he just tidies up that floor to about you know 50 or 60, he's going to make a lot of money this year. So 79.4, um, JB. There you go. That's huge. Um, we do hope he's fit for the season. Uh, and if he's in round one, I think he'll be irresistible. So that is genuinely good to, though. Cut, yeah, absolutely. 79 from this price point would make you well and truly the 150K required. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Hopefully he's next. And lastly on the defender list is Gota, Josh Gota for North Melbourne Football Club, $192,700. Now, you might know a little bit more about Gota than I do. All I know is is that he's been training in defense um, off of halfback so far this year. And for that price point, if he's a good user off the ball, um, a good user of the ball at halfback for North Melbourne, we do know that is a lucrative position to be in. Yeah, I uh, was pretty high on him last year. He was uh, in my round one side until Hall was named, and then I put Hall in and removed Gota, and we all know how that ended. Um, but Gota, I think, looks like a good footballer. Um, even in the, I remember the practice matches last year. I watched him. I was like, oh, you know, who's that guy? He looks pretty good, and it was Gota. Um, so I was surprised that he. Yeah, I remember the same actually. Yeah, he he just looks like. A guy that is in the right places in the back line. So he, he finds his way to f- have intercept possessions and then has a good kick to be able to distribute as well. And he basically just 
played that role in the VFL last season and did well at it. Came in, I think it was the last game of the season, and looked yep. good as well, just eye test-wise. And if he gets that role and is in the team from round one, so, you know, Clarko gives the confidence that, hey, you know, this is your spot to lose, just own it. I feel comfortable knowing that he looks like a good footballer and is probably going to be a good footballer, that he can then hold that spot for longer. Because obviously the worst worst case there is you pay 190 k and they're terrible and they, they get dropped. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll watch him again this preseason. And if the eye test is telling us, yeah, look, it's another good preseason, he looks good, as soon as he gets his chance, he's going to hold on to it, then I think he could be a, a worthwhile selection. And he's got that, that DPP as well, the def, uh, defender mid status, which it will be you know handy because I think with all these players we've spoken about, if more than one of them or multiple of them are looking really good coming into round one, I think you could even pick Goda in your midfield if you needed to. So there's options. Mm, absolutely. Um, so he annoyingly did debut in round 23 last season, but he got 21 disposals, five marks, three tackles for an average of a season-long 70. So um, that's a good debut game. That is good. Um, if he's good. training all year and def- all preseason in defence, um, and he's got Alastair Clarkson's tick of approval. I can't see myself going without Gota as well. So um, just just from what I've noticed, there are, I mean, from what we've said so far, um, Elliot Yo, uh, Hunter Clark potentially, Jack Bowes, Caulfield and Gota are all very startable. Um, there's a lot of value in defense this year. So just something that I'll point out, we'll talk a little bit more about structure as the preseason goes on, but um, I have four of those players in my side right now. So... Um, do the maths on on how many D one, D two, D three I have, and how many <laughs> premiums. Um, but essentially, I, I do like a lot of those guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, we're gonna move into the midfield now, Pistol. There is a much shorter list to discuss in the midfield. There's only three guys on my list here. Um, I'm gonna start with Jacob Hopper, maybe the easiest selection in Supercoach history. Uh, legitimately he might be um he's a guy that can go 100 i'm gonna say comfortably 90 plus he is one he's a very good midfielder uh two he's now (laughs) the midfielder at richmond um they've already said cochin's going to be playing in a new role up forward and this is now a midfielder that hopper runs at richmond so i can't really see a world in which he scores poorly. The only reason not to select him is if he's not fit for round one or is, or injured or whatever. But as far as we're aware, he looks 
good to go and I would be expecting him to go 90 plus like with ease not even like a question about it so yeah, I'm really excited yep. for the pick I, I've got no there's no downside for me here so has played well in the match sims um, to expand on your Cochin comment uh, it's not just playing a little bit more mid uh, sorry forward time he played the entire last match sim in the forward line kicked a couple of goals looked great um, I can see him having the opposite split as to what he had last year with majority minutes being up forward. Um, and I can see him being good at it, potentially a, a role in which he starts a half forward and wanders up to the stoppages and helps out there. Um, I think a lot of clubs have found it successful to have a player like that, um, especially when they are good at the role. It sort of breaks open the game with the extra man. Um, and I can see him being sensational at that um, that role. But if we if he's out of the CBAs, um, I think this was already Hopper's midfield, but it just becomes more so Hopper's midfield. So um, averages of 95, 90, and 96 in the three years at GWS before the injury riddled last season is fit and firing so far this year. I don't think we need to discuss this one in yeah. depth. He's and his natural a very easy pick. Scott, he's young too, so like it's all, all lots I'll, of ticks. I'll put it on the line. If he averages less than 100 this year without injury, I'll be like, as in non-injury affected, less than 100, I'll be shocked. Yeah. Shocked. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, we're going to move on to the next pick. He's the exact same price, 332000 It's Dom Sheed. Now, not someone I thought I would ever consider again um, after his uh, – there was one season that he was like okay and an okay value, but since then it's really been – do we ever want this guy on our team again? Probably not. Um, he now offers value and in a team that is probably crying out for midfield talent – um, he might be one to step in there and ease the ship a little bit. So in 2019, average 95, backed that up with 89 in 2022. Um, sorry, in 2020, and since then has regressed from 89 to 82, from 82 to 67 last year in the one match he played. Uh, so he's an interesting one. If he can get back up to the 90, which I think is probably about where he should be with good midfield time and, and no injuries, then he presents good value. But Good midfield time and no injuries are just such big question marks. I find myself liking the pick more than I probably anticipated I would. He only needs to average about 88 to make 150K, and I think that's almost bang on what I expect him to average. So that would make him a successful pick. I'm just finding myself, you know, like 20K short or 30K short to be able to, to get him in the midfield. But he's... Role is the only question mark I have. I would think that, you know, some of these midfielders that West Coast have, uh, Shuey, you know, he's sort of probably on the the latter part of his career and Dom Sheed's not too far away behind him. There, there's really, Yo is the main, well, should be the main man of the midfield and then they've got all these and young Tim guys. Tim Kelly as well. Yeah, Tim Kelly. Well, he really needs to, to do something. Um, mm. They've got these young guys that they're going to need to develop. And honestly, West, West Coast are likely going to be a bottom four side. And I don't know if it's in their best interest to be playing these older midfielders as their full-time midfield um, in you know through the season. But if there is a time to play them, it would be early days to get that confidence up. And West Coast have a really nice draw to start the season. So if you wanted to pick Sheed and hope for an 85 average, across you know the first eight weeks or so I could definitely see that happening and for that reason I think he probably should be considered as an option to start the year 
Yeah, I think if for some reason Hopper misses out and you're in love with that price point, I think Sheed becomes that next guy. Um, starting Hopper and Sheed I think is difficult to swing, but depending on your structure it could be entirely possible. Yeah. And if so, um, I don't think you should be talking yourself out of Sheed for any reason. But watch the preseason games because his role should be well-defined. And if it's not a role um, with at least like – palpable midfield time, then you're just not going to want to go yeah. there. Um, you'll probably want to go down to a, a rookie. at least. Half. Uh, yeah, at least 50%, so, I would I think say. he played in the midfield in the match sim, but Shuey missed, so you can't really draw you know, information. I, look, I think he does get good enough midfield time, um, but he, he, like his body is also an issue. So there's a few different things with Sheed. Um, and, he, and he's getting older, not younger. So obviously everyone's getting older, but he, he's on the wrong <laughs> yeah, side getting of getting younger. older. No, he's on the wrong side of getting older. Um, Jacob Hopper getting older doesn't really matter. He's tw- like, what, 23? Yeah. Sheed getting older, getting towards his 30s is, is a bit more worrying. Um, but anyway, one one to definitely keep a keen eye on. The last player I have in the midfield is, Benjamin here is Button. James Warple. He's <laughs> getting ben- younger. Benjamin Button. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, well, Warple's not getting younger either. Um, well, he's I'll pretty young, you know. yeah. Ah, look, he, the Warple's an interesting case. He debuted in 2018, averaged 72 in his first nine games, showed a lot of promise. Back that up with um, Tom Mitchell's leg break season with an average of 97. That's huge. Looked incredible. If you had him in your team, you were, you were so happy because um, he did not start at basement price. Then in the 15 matches in 2020, he averaged 88. So a small regression with Tom Mitchell back. Everyone's like, yeah, that's expected. Um, and then an average of 73 in 2021 and then 51 last year in 2022. Now, having watched Warpool uh, quite a bit last year with uh, Keeper League interests, I don't know if he is that good of a player to now revert back to his 80, 85 plus years now that Tom Mitchell's gone again. I like, And I don't think Tom Mitchell was what was holding him back um, in the last couple of years. I think it was just form. Um, and he's just potentially not that player that he started the year as, uh, started his career as. Um, I'm interested to see your thoughts, but he reminds me of like a, a power pepper, like coming in hot because he's got the body for it. Um, he's a kid, but, you know, he can throw himself in there and looks incredible doing so. And then the more it goes along and the more players figure him out, he does. He just doesn't. He just stagnates pretty much for a while. Like that's the sort of vibe I get with um, with Warple. But I, I might be off base here. No, I think Jai Newcomb is, you know, what Warple should have been. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Newcomb came onto the scene and you know, tackled hard. It's absolute hard nut with the, that contested ball and looks like a, a good player. And you know, now without Titch and Diego Mira. They don't have much midfield depth, and and now it's Newcomb's midfield. When you would think, based on the 2019 and 2020 seasons, that Warple was going to be one to take the next step up, but he got to a point where he wasn't even best 22. And my worry is, I, I I do think he gets given the midfield time. I I genuinely worry if he has it in him to remain best 22 and put in you know consistently good performances to earn his spot as a midfielder in their side. Uh, it's just he can't really play anywhere else. And when they're going to have these players like Josh Ward, who's in, and, and we're talking about Will Day getting potentially some CBAs as well, when you've got these guys, I, I feel like you want all of them in the midfield 
before you put in Warple. Otherwise, it's just too much of a same-samey type of player if you have him and Newcomb in there, and Newcomb's just a better version. So I don't love the pick. I would really need to watch him in both of the scratch matches and see if he looks like that 2019 Warpedo form, which we loved. But yeah, for, for now, until we see that, I, I don't think it's even safe putting him in as a placeholder. If you want to talk about sub-risks, I think Warpool is, is on that list of sub-risks. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, all right, we're going to move into the ruck now. Scott Lysette is the only man here on my list. We've kind of cheated with the whole price point thing because there's not really any ruckmen to talk about. Um, and I think Scott Lysette is viable if... Um, other ruckmen sort of fall over closer to the finish line. Um, $429,000 reduce. Now, he will be, in my opinion, the starting ruckman for Paul when fit. Um, I think he's his best 22 easily, easily our best ruckman, a place that we, an area in which we struggled in um, essentially all of last season without him. Um, he's in a contract year. I can see Lysette doing good things, averaging you know around a flat ton, which he's done in the past, um, which he's really peppered in the past. Um, does that make him viable at 430k pistol? I think it's more of a what are the other options that we're going to select in that line, and are they any better? Um, I think that's where my mind's going. If, in in a vacuum, I don't think you would pick him at that price um, if there weren't ruck issues um, but given there seems to be a lot of risk in that ruck line if you're not someone who wants to take that risk I feel like he's relatively safe I mean as you said he's had three pretty consistent years um, averaging just under a ton and he's not priced at that so he's definitely value he'll make you 70 80 90k and, and potentially other ruckmen may drop in price in the meantime so he buys you that time um, I just have you know some concerns over Port's early draw. The first five weeks are really hard. He's got they've got Brisbane, Collingwood, Adelaide, Swans, Bulldogs, which isn't ideal. And then straight after that, you got West Coast, which is Nick Nat. Um, it's it's not the best for a ruckman, um, but you know it's a revenge game. Yeah, it's a bit of a revenge game. Um, I just worry, I guess, that he might start slow. Also coming back from that little bit of injury and somehow Port Adelaide now have all this ruck depth of like decent ruckmen (laughs) so I I I do have like some concerns as well if he if they want to rest him to preserve him for finals or whatever happens later in the season there's just a couple maybe a one too many question marks for now I, I could I could see myself picking him if the other ruckmen have more question marks and then I kind of feel a little bit forced into it. And because of that, I just want to pay as cheap as possible. So I pick someone like him. But right now, as it stands, where, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my ruck line and, and until, you know, I'll touch wood, no injuries or anything like that. Um, I mean, they're already injured my rucks. What am I talking about? But significant injuries. Uh, until that point comes, I think I'll, I'll pass on, on him. Yeah, I think I agree. The best way to explain Lysette for me this preseason is that he's the backup to my backup right now. Um, he's just that next guy in line waiting, teetering. Um, so I'll watch him through the preseason. I'll be shocked if we don't go with him in our best 22 and I'll be shocked if we do take in a second ruckman um, outside of like your Finlayson type of chop-out role. So um, I think he should have the lion's share if anyone's wondering. And... 
um, in, in that case, I think he's going to be decent enough, but not quite in my selection plans right now. So we're going to move to the forward line. I just line. wanted to say, JB, I'm glad we didn't talk about Draper because he's always been a terrible why, why asset. Why would we Absolutely talk about terrible. Draper? People love talking about Draper, and I don't understand why. Like, he kicks one I good goal. It, I get it. It was the goal, yeah. It was the goal of the year. That's what's done oh, it. Oh, God. Um, no, no, no Draper love from me. Um, yep, sorry. Yeah. Let's move on to the no. forwards as we should. Yep, we will. <laughs> um, so the first forward is someone else who I didn't have pegged to discuss, but notice his ownership heading in. It's newly acquired um, Port Adelaide player Jason Horn Francis, $348,000. And is he's interesting to me because not in a super coach sense, but in a team sense for, for Port, I don't know exactly what his role is. I don't know where he fits into the side. We recruited a, a forward being Junior Rioli. Um, we have Arazio Fantasia who is apparently alive and, and training. So um, there's a couple of forwards coming to that, into that best 22 and then Horn Francis. But then to end last year, we had Rosie and Butters playing midfield with our best midfield dynamic um, that we'd seen in 18 months. So where does Horn Francis really fit in? I think it's around the half forward flank and and with some midfield time. And I think that's pretty much where he lives um, for the year. And, and there's potential that he's in and out of the squad, um, you know, for a game or so throughout the season. I don't see him as a moneymaker. I don't see him as some guy who's going to average 90 plus. Um, is that uh, like reverse bias on my end, Pistol? Or? I genuinely don't understand the pick like he he's 348k which means like he's more expensive than sheed right so he needs to average like 91 92 to make 150k in what world do people see this upside in him just because he was a number one draft pick and he's moved to a better team i guess that might that must be the only reason but there's so many yeah. question marks about his role and if he's not if he's not a permanent footballer a permanent forward sorry so oh, I'm muddling my words. If he's not a permanent midfielder and he's playing as a forward, at least half forward, he has to average above ninety. Do you know how many how many of people in that role average above ninety last season as a forward in Supercoach? Not many, very few. Just Zach Butters. Very very few went above ninety no, with Butters the role territory there. <laughs> I mean, Butters, Butters probably has got is going to get or did last season got more midfield time than I'm expecting Horn Francis to get this current season. But when he didn't get more midfield time, he did still average well as a half forward. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, so he's, he did. But Horn Francis, I, I just it's his second season, right? These expectations of him are absurd, quite frankly. I, I, I think we're going a couple of years too early on him. He, let him develop a little bit more, get you know everything right with his new club, get settled, all of that. For him to be in 12.5% of teams at that price, I, I don't. I'm not on board with that one. Uh, for what it's worth, if I haven't owned him anywhere's teal, then there's probably a bit of an issue. Um, I, I don't have the faith in him as a super coach pick, but um, no doubt he's going to be a three-time Brownlow medalist. <laughs> now we're going to move on to Means he has to beat cross- butters. Uh, it'll be it'll be one or the other. It'll be a draw, it'll be like a back and forth type of thing. No, not a draw. That's ridiculous. Fair enough. Um, we're going to move to our crosstown rivals uh, in Adelaide Crows. Wayne Minlira has apparently resurfaced for some half-back line training. 
um, being full eligible again. He, I don't know how he keeps on changing his eligibility because I don't see him play games. <laughs> but um, if he does play in defense this year, um, 321K, he at least has potential to do good things. But like, by God, people, isn't it that like for me once, shame on you, for me like 12 times, like you got to feel some shame for that, don't you? Wayne Malira. Um, not one that I can see entering my team. He would have to do wild things this preseason. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy watching him play and I think he's got potential to be a very solid footballer um, and that's kind of why I couldn't rule him out the same way that I could rule out some other players. Um, at the, the halfback role is the right role if you want someone at this price point to you know average 85 plus and make you 150K. So that that's a tick. Injury proneness, not so much a tick. Um, I need to see him play. I, I definitely feel like I could be sucked into selecting him, if especially if um, you know someone or all the other mid prices fail in that forward line spot, or Taron Thomas is magically not selected in round one for unknown reasons. Um, you know that he's a similar price point, and that might be the go. But I can't look at his scores and take them seriously his past scores because he was just thrown all over the place half forward different roles you know some wing why all that would sort that of stop stuff. this so, year though because he's been training as a dedicated halfback and i, I feel like they but he's want done him that, in that in role. the past it's true he's done that in the past but they do have and, a better and list now i think with some of these young they do but dawson's been training on the wing what mm. if that fails can't they just switch them like i, th- I just don't feel like malira is ever going to be safe in a role i think he's nice and versatile he's going to be a good player for the crows if he gets uh, on the park for long enough but I don't see him ever being a good enough player in our Supergroup yeah, sides. it's hard. I, I do think he's the second best running defender behind Dawson. I mean, you've got to think like Seedsman, Seedsman's not going to play, so there's that wing he's on their long. He's on their LTI. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he's probably coming back, unfortunately. And then you've got... I don't think so either. You, you've, you've got uh, Hamill's not... As good as Miller, even though he's gonna, he looks like he's gonna be a decent player. Lord, if we start going through this crows list, I'm, I'm no, sorry, I won't, I, I, won't won't I, I won't go through. I won't go through. The it, only other one is the um, who, who's the young lad? Uh, Shoal, Lockie Shoal has, Shoal has great, but potential I think he's there. gonna um, be suited on yeah. the wing in the future. Um, uh, potentially, I don't know. <laughs> it's, he's just they've got a lot kick. of young talent that could go in a lot of places. But yeah, they do. Um, I, I just think his yeah, best position yeah. is off the halfback, and that is a position that he's better at than. Pretty much everyone else in the team. I do agree with that. So that, that that's his best position. He, if he, if that's the role that he's playing throughout the whole preseason, and he looks good in the scratch matches, I think he he could tempt me into it. He's currently not there, but I I, I wouldn't rule him out. He's, he's on the watch list. All right. Well, let's look to a little bit cheaper for Wayne Miller and Jack Ginevan. Wait, why have you written Jack Ginevan? No, we're going to go. I'm just going to go down to Nat Five. We don't really have the time to talk about Ginevan. I don't think. Um, Nat five three hundred and thirteen k. Um, how do how do we talk about Nat five? I think Nat five could be the biggest preseason watch out of any name that we've said so far. Um, he really needs midfield time. I, I don't think he's selectable as like an eighty percent forward, but what percentage midfield time makes him? go from unselectable to irresistible because there's a number that makes you switch completely from one to the other. I think it's like 30%. It's as low as that. 
Wow. Yeah, probably didn't expect me to say that. I think like 100% midfielder Fife goes 120. We've seen that. So Does he do that? Like, for example, just just a brain exercise. Yeah. This year, if he got 100% midfield time, yeah. do you think he's still capable of 120 with his body and age? I mean, he's, he's averaged above 123 times. So I, no, I know I th- that, but Dangerfield's not getting 120 in the midfield now, and, he, and he's done it plenty of times. I mean, Fife's a pretty bloody good player. <laughs> uh, no, he is, but it's more the body yeah, and the body, age. Body's hard. Just, they, I do think they work against. I him. think he goes comfortably 110 if he was 100% midfielder at his current age. Yeah, he's okay, just too good. That. He's just he's too good at everything. He doesn't have. He's not bad at anything. There's no flaw. <laughs> he, he's, he's just a really good footballer. So 100% midfield, I think, goes 110. But that's not happening, right? So he's, he's going to be playing majority forward. They've said that. Majority 50-50, he's definitely an option. Majority 60-40 as a, as a forward, I still think he's an option. 70-30, I think he still can. He, he, his average is dropping considerably by all of these percentages. But I think he can go 85 and make the required money if he's playing 30% midfield. But the problem is I don't know if he is going to get as high as 30% midfield. Do you? The bigger problem is that I don't think I don't know if he's going to play 30% of the matches this year. Like, that is a problem. I <laughs> I just I just wish that we could count on him even playing heavily forward. He got injured last year. Yeah. I wish we could just count on him to preserve his body in the forward line and play 15 plus matches, but I, I'm not even confident in that unfortunately. So um, look, they do have a good young midfield. I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't get um, time in there. Time that I think is probably going to land around the 20 to 30% mark personally, maybe just over 30%, um, which, which by your calculations make him selectable. But this is why he's a preseason watch for me because playing a full game in the midfield and getting the, the, the feel and the taste of the game, the game speed... Um, is very different to being thrown in there for three stoppages a quarter yeah. and, and trying to trying to catch up after playing forward all match. So um, things that we see Dangerfield struggle with, uh, I just never thought I'd see um, from the champion. Fife, a similar champion of the game, um, I just think we temper our expectations and we need to see good enough midfield time. But not just that, but the fact that he's switched on when he does get those midfield minutes in the preseason. So a heavy, heavy watch. We're forgetting as well that he doesn't kick goals when he's forward because he's, he might be the worst set shot <laughs> kick in the competition. He's not, but he does get bulk points for contested marks. So there's the upside there. But JB, the upside is there. JB, the, the, is there. the draw for Fremantle, I have to mention it because it is a significant factor. It is really good to start the season. Like St Kilda, North Melbourne, West Coast, Adelaide, Gold Coast is the first five games. Yeah. He could average 100 wow. over those five. Yeah, he could. As a he forward, not, not even as a mid, just as a pure forward. All right, he's back in my side. Welcome <laughs> that five. No, but, but, but realistically, that could almost not be more perfect for him. Um, and yep. I, I don't think you can ever just 100% rule out Nat Fife as an option. Um, he's just too good of a player. And it just takes, as I said, like 30% midfield time for him to be like a really good pick at the price. So we'll have to wait and see. If it's literally 0% midfield time, we can have a discussion about it. But when you've got those fixtures as well, um, I'm thinking he can manage to pull off, you know, an 85, eight-round average and, and make you a decent amount of money. So I'm 
Um, he's he's definitely on the top of my watch list out of probably all the players we've discussed today as the next best player that's not in my side that I might want to put in my side. And the DPP is handy mid-forward. Yeah, I agree. In terms of players that I actually want to visually see playing in the preseason, he and Gota are probably the two guys that I have circled um, with the red pen. Yeah. So I'm going to go to the next player. We've got three more to discuss. This one's going to be quite quick. It's Taron Thomas. 295k has been training off of halfback this preseason as per reports um training well unfortunately there there are some off off um off field troubles um that i mean we're not going to divulge into but um essentially he could potentially miss the start of the season with that obviously that makes him a non-selection should he get away from all those and start the year in the north melbourne side um, 295k for someone who was tempting at 550k the year before it seems pretty good value I just think he's a good footballer I know he didn't put his best foot forward last season um, he had quite frankly some of the worst games I've ever seen um, but he I, I think has that upside and that potential of being a good footballer um, and passes the eye test when he's on he just needs to obviously get focused and uh, the off-field trouble is the number one reason to, you know, that it might kill the pick. So we'll have to wait and, and see how that resolves itself. But if he is named for round one, um, I, I think he could certainly average what he needs to to, to make you 150k. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, another guy I've got named here, you're going to know more about this guy than I will, I think. Sam Flanders, 256k for the Gold Coast. Um, finished last year in the Neeful extremely hot um, and has been now cited as tearing up the track uh, in the preseason. Now, I, I know that's a very common thing for players to do in the preseason and it doesn't always mean the world, but um, the the wraps on this guy are as high as they get. So I think he's interesting at 256K. Yeah, stupid sexy Flanders. He really <laughs> just has come as like this preseason bolter that people are, are hyping up and there's not really AFL-proven data to support the selection. It's more of his NEFL, um data that's that's getting people... Um, VFL. So VFL now, if they no longer do that NEFL. Um He... Just finished, as you said, like super strong. I think it was the semi-final or preliminary final that he got 42 touches, um, including seven tackles, which is obviously absurd. So he's the upside is what people are chasing at that price. And uh, you know, if you got somebody who's got you know 150 plus upside at only 250k, uh, that is very appealing. The problem is that his role in the VFL is obviously as a midfielder and his role in the AFL has not been as a midfielder. It's been more, you know, half forward or smaller forward. So I have concerns that, yes, he may be best 22, but it might be a Finlay McRae type situation where Finlay McRae dominates mm. in the VFL as a midfielder, comes into the Collingwood side and plays as a small forward and half forward and just can't get amongst it. And that's my worry with Flanders. As much as they want to hype him up and say he's having a great preseason, he's playing in the midfield, blah, 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 blah. Typically, Gold Coast have not much rotation through their midfield. Their, their midfielders get really high CBAs. You've got Raul, who's yep. going to be another year fitter. Um, Anderson's come through as looking like a, an absolute gem. And you've got, you know, old, old Tuk Tuk. So you've got three absolute guns with high 
CBA percentages. I I just don't know if there is that space for him in the way that they their game style and the way that the coach coaches the team. Um, we need to put him right at the top of this this watch list in the preseason because if he gets that that midfield time, then yeah, I'm going to be all over the selection. But at the moment, there's just too many concerns for me to to pop him onto you know my side. You talk about sub risk, and yeah. I think people like this, and with the new sub rule that has come in this year, with um, it being the tactical sub, not the injury sub. I think people are already forgetting that players like this just become ten times riskier. Yeah. The fringe players, the guys who played a lot of EFL last year, um, the guys who will be in and out of the squad at some point this year. Um, I, I think Flanders epitomizes the risk of the new sub rule and, and what that might do to some guys. So, um, look, if he blows us away in the preseason and it looks like he's going to be in the best fifteen players, then I, I, I'll definitely consider him as I'm considering Jack Bowes and, and not assuming he's going to be a sub risk. But um, he would have to do wondrous things as well this preseason. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you now. The, the last guy we have to talk about is Oscar Allen, 210K, um, someone who in the past has averaged about 80. He averaged nearly 80 in 2020. Um, that was playing as a part-time ruckman as well. Now, I believe I've heard he's not getting that role this year. Yeah, um, that's correct. So that, it makes it really difficult to sell him. Um, however, I do think he's going to be a shining light for West Coast. I don't think he's going to be a shining light for our super coach teams at that price in the midfield. Uh, sorry, in the forward line where we've already named a handful of good options. I think he's a really tough sell unless, um, again, we see the ruck roll in the preseason. They pretty much said he won't be rucking. Like they just ruled yeah. it out. So he'll be our primary forward. He's a long-term JJK replacement now that they, they don't have him and. I think it, his price is really kind and it doesn't automatically rule him out because it's so cheap and he only needs to average about 66 to make you 150K. But the issue with these key forwards is because of the volatility of their scores, you know, that you, you don't quite get there if you pop out a 30 right after, a, you know, a big game. And if he's going to put out, you know, a 200 and then 30-30, I mean, he just might not make you the money mm. at the right time when you want to sell him. It just becomes like a lot more luck is involved. You you don't have the luxury of, you know, he's not going to just hover at 66 average and you get to yeah. pick him off when you want to downgrade him and upgrade someone else. Like he will kick a bag and then put out such a small score that you're forced to get rid of him immediately and it might not be the right timing and you just like... Rochelle comes to mind from last year yeah. uh, with his really hot and cold scoring and then the cold could go for four or five weeks and you're holding him thinking, I'll just hold him for the next hot game and it just doesn't quite come, especially playing for West Coast. It's going to be real difficult to, to have um, many tons this year for West Coast. I th- like You could picture him getting anywhere between like two and five tons for the entire season and then, you know, they might come early, late. Like, do, do you know what I mean? It's The volatility is going to be really unpredictable. I think he could start with a ton. You know, he plays North Melbourne in round one. He could have a ton, people trade him in, and then he has um, GWS, Fremantle, Melbourne, Geelong, Port Adelaide, Carlton on Weedering. Mm. I mean, yeah, realistically, yeah. he might average 40 for the next month after starting yep. with a ton. and. Then what do you do? You're like forced to hold him, but you like it's an awkward field as well. Delete team. <laughs> it's it just becomes a very awkward selection for the whole season average. I can see him going, you know, what he you know, 66 to to make the 150k. I just 
I don't know if the timing is going to work out for Supercoach and that early season run. Um, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't love the pick. I, I, he's well and truly down on my watch list. Let's put it that way. The thing is as well is we're going to hear from the West that he's training the house and he looks great in match sim. Um, he's kicking bags of goals against, albeit, West Coast defenders. Um, but I, I think that can't be confused with someone who's doing anything similar but in a good role because his role is just not good enough. Yeah. He could be training the house down, kicking bags, looking brilliant, but he still has a, a terrible super coach role. So... Um, if he was 50k cheaper, like we, we are looking at the um, the Gold Coast yeah, uh, King, King yeah. so um, but that's 50k cheaper. He only needs to to do you know one or two spikes and average closer to 55 to make his money um, rather than the higher average around 65. So um, it does make a big difference. I think Oscar Allen's a, a super hard sell. Um, even someone like Sheezel, I think, could offer the exact same volatility, but um, potentially be a bit more consistent, mm. being a, a sort of medium high half forward rather than um, a stay at home forward. So a lot to think about, a lot to discuss. Um, that's going to do us uh, for the podcast pistol, unless you have any last second names to throw in the hat. I'm surprised you didn't have a last second name to, to throw in the throw in the ring. I see I, I down to 203k. Someone. Uh, oh, actually, now that you mention it, um, no, I, I did sneak his name in earlier in the podcast. I was going to be, um, I think that was going to be sufficient for me, but Arazio Fantasia, <laughs> no, I'll tell no, you what, no, no. With, with, the, with the good starts of the no, season no, that Port no. have, uh, oh, wait, no, we don't have a good start to the season. Um, no, I don't think Arazio is selectable this year. <laughs> I haven't even had him in my side this year, so that says it all. There we go. Perfect. Well, thanks very much, uh, JB, for going through pretty comprehensive list we've got a lot of names to add to the watch lists i'm looking forward to these pre-season matches coming up at the end of the month and being able to cross out more of them limit it down from i think there's 19 on that list and i'd love to get it down to you know six or seven before the season starts so we'll have to have another check in uh, podcast you know once once those uh, games are done yeah, so next week I think the plan is to do a similar uh, premium podcast where we, we discuss some of the premiums that we're looking at as well just to keep an eye on for the preseason. It is just so people know where to put their watch list. Maybe they can refer to this podcast um, again later on in the preseason. I know I will be. Um, so I hope it has helped. Um, preseasons to back it up. Um, sorry, premiums to back, back it up and then preseason um, podcasts after, after that. So... Um, yeah, a lot to think about, a lot of interesting names that I didn't think I'd be looking at this um, this early in the year, but um, a lot of guys to make you scratch your head and, and change your team around. So I wonder how many people have changed their defense after hearing what we said about a few of those guys. Um, so thanks everyone for tuning in. I will personally be on YouTube, uh, hopefully later this week, Pistol. Huge. I'm excited. I want to see what your team's I'm looking excited. like. I'm my, excited. My YouTube debut, uh, where you're going to hopefully see my team uh, in the team picture. So... Um, that is hopefully coming up this week. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 